It's Tuesday, May the 17th, and this is your morning briefing from The Economist. Coming up, as of Stahl abandoned and North Korea's army mobilised against COVID-19. First, the world in brief. Hundreds of Ukrainian troops, many of them wounded, were evacuated from the Azovstal steelworks in the southern city of Mariupol after nearly three months of Russian bombardment. The evacuations suggest that Ukraine is ceding control of the city to Russia. The general staff of Ukraine's army said the unit fighting inside the steelworks had, quote, fulfilled its combat mission. Separately, the Defence Ministry said its troops had advanced all the way to the Russian border, near the formerly besieged Ukrainian city of Kharkiv. Sweden's Prime Minister confirmed that her country intends to join NATO, alongside Finland, only for Turkey to announce that it will not accept either as a new member. All 30 members of the alliance must approve any application. The traditionally neutral Nordic countries had hoped for a quick entry, to minimise their exposure to Russian retaliation. Turkey resents both for refusing to extradite Kurdish dissidents. Shanghai reported no new cases of community-transmitted COVID-19 for a third consecutive day, passing a milestone that should allow officials to begin easing lockdowns. They had hoped to hit the mark by May 20th. On Monday, the deputy mayor said she hoped China's biggest city would return to normal by mid-June. Separately, North Korea, where about 1.5 million are showing symptoms of, quote, fever, mobilised its army to distribute medicines and deploy more than 10,000 health workers to trace potential infections. Elizabeth Bourne was named as France's new Prime Minister, replacing Jean Castex. Miss Bourne, who is currently the Labour Minister, will be the first woman to hold the position in 31 years. After being re-elected as president in April, Emmanuel Macron promised to govern in a more consultative way. Miss Bourne is a centre-left politician. Mr Macron's two previous prime ministers have been centre-right. Sri Lanka's new prime minister, Ranil Wickramasinghe, who returned from the opposition on Thursday, said the country is down to its last day of fuel supply. The island is reeling from an unprecedented financial collapse. Mr Wickramasinghe mulled the possibility of selling off the national airline and said, quote, The next couple of months will be the most difficult ones of our lives. A judge in California struck down a law the state had passed in 2018, requiring that the boards of public companies have multiple women directors. She ruled that such quotas discriminate on the basis of sex and so violate California's constitution. Last month, a similar law mandating racial and LGBT diversity on boards was also ruled unconstitutional. JetBlue, an American airline, launched a hostile takeover bid for Spirit Airlines, a budget competitor. Spirit had earlier rejected JetBlue's offer of $33 a share, citing antitrust risks, and was planning to proceed with a $2.9 billion deal to merge with Frontier, another airline instead. On Monday, JetBlue offered Spirit shareholders $30 a share, well above the $16.98 at which it traded on Friday. 
Fact of the day: seven. The number of countries that allow for abortions after twenty weeks of pregnancy. America is one of them. And correction: in Friday's espresso, we wrote that displaying the Palestinian flag is forbidden in Israel. This is incorrect. Although there have been directives against displaying the flag in certain areas, there is no legal ban. Sorry. And now here's today's agenda: primaries in the Keystone State. On Tuesday, Pennsylvanians go to the polls to settle some of the most closely watched contests of the primary season. Most of the suspense is on the Republican side. On Saturday, Donald Trump endorsed Doug Mastriano, a state senator running for governor, whom party leaders fear may be too extreme to appeal to midterm voters in November. In the Republican Senate primary, Mr. Trump has endorsed Mehmet Oz, a chat show host. Dr. Oz and David McCormick, a former hedge fund executive, have spent tens of millions of dollars proving who is Trumpiest. Only to see a poorly funded far right candidate, Kathy Barnett, surge in the polls. The Democratic races were drama free until the weekend, when the front runner in the Senate primary, John Fetterman, vanished from the campaign trail. On Sunday, he announced that he had had a stroke but was recovering. His campaign, he said, quote, "isn't slowing down one bit." Horror on Rikers Island. In March, when Herman Diaz choked on an orange, his fellow inmates in Rikers Island, New York City's largest prison, tried to help. But a guard, following protocol, did nothing. Diaz was one of four men to have died in Rikers this year. In 2021, sixteen lost their lives in custody. Conditions in Rikers Island are filthy and violent. Staff shortages have made the prison increasingly dangerous for detainees and guards. Although the city has committed to close Rikers by 2027, Damian Williams, a federal attorney, thinks action is needed now. Tuesday marks the deadline for the city administration to produce a strategy acceptable to a federal court to improve conditions in the prison. If it fails to do so, Mr. Williams wants control of New York City's entire prison system. To pass from the city to a non-partisan expert appointed by the federal government, with sweeping authority to implement reforms. Eric Adams, New York's mayor and an African American former policeman, acknowledges that Rikers is quote mired in dysfunction. He says he wants to fix its problems himself quote because the people on Rikers look like me. Espresso profile: Elvira Nabulina, Putin's economic general. Russia's central banker delights in satirical messaging. In 2020, when Elvira Nabulina cut interest rates, she chose a dove-shaped brooch. Raising them a year later, she donned a hawk. The funereal black dress she wore in February, announcing record rate hikes after her country invaded Ukraine. Was interpreted as a sign of mourning, for an economy she has spent twenty years building. Born into a working-class Tatar family in the city of Ufa, 
Ms. Nabulina studied economics at Moscow State University. After an early career in the Ministry for Economic Development and Trade, she spent one year as Mr. Putin's chief economic advisor. In 2013, he put her in control of the Central Bank of Russia. The following year, Russia annexed Crimea and Russia was removed from the G8. Ms. Nabulina had been the group's first female central banker. Just one year into the job, the governor was faced with a falling ruble and soaring prices. Her decision to sharply raise interest rates, economically orthodox but politically risky, slashed inflation and was praised by the IMF. Her revocation of 400 banking licenses shut down dodgy banks. To prepare, quote, Fortress Russia for sanctions, she shifted the central bank's holdings away from American banks and out of American dollars. The steely technocrat now faces her greatest challenge yet. Western sanctions are battering the economy, although high prices for Russia's energy exports have offered some protection. Miss Nabulina's capital controls have helped the ruble rebound to pre-war levels, and exports have held up. But in April, inflation hit 17.8%, a 20-year high. Like her peers around the world, Ms. Nabulina now needs to rein in prices without choking the economy, which her central bank expects will contract by up to 10% this year. In June, she begins her third term as governor. But she seems uncomfortable as a cog in Russia's war machine. She is rumoured to have offered her resignation after the invasion. But when Mr. Putin told her to stay, she obeyed. Protecting Ukraine's Heritage Historic monuments often become casualties of war. According to Ukraine's government, at least 242 cultural objects, including statues, sculptures and religious artworks, have been damaged or destroyed since Russia invaded in February. Volunteers have protected artefacts as best they can. To improve their chances, Kyiv's Department of Cultural Heritage Protection and other cultural organisations have commissioned Bolbeck Bureau, an architecture firm, to devise a method to protect monuments. After studying historic examples, including a wall built around Michelangelo's David during the Second World War, the team came up with a modular system made up of scaffolding, sandbags and fire retardant plywood. This system will enable volunteers to measure monuments and build modules around them without damaging the object or wasting materials. Bolbeck Bureau says the system will protect cultural objects from blasts, debris, bullets and fire. With luck, more of Ukraine's history may survive the war. Northern Irish stew once more. The British government is soon expected to announce legislation to give it unilateral powers to override parts of the Northern Ireland Protocol, a controversial post-Brexit trading deal. The protocol avoids an Irish land border by creating a sea border between Great Britain and Northern Ireland. But that division inside the United Kingdom upsets pro-British unionist parties. One, the Democratic Unionist Party, is protesting by blocking the business of a newly elected assembly in Belfast, 
the government's legislative plan is unpopular in Northern Ireland. Public opinion and the nationalist Sinn Féin party support the protocol, which keeps the province in the EU single market and so closer to Ireland. The EU is angry that Britain proposes to renege on a treaty it signed and ratified only two years ago. For its part, Britain hopes to lure the DUP back into Northern Ireland's power-sharing executive and then to resume talks with the EU. Yet it may achieve neither goal. The DUP wants the protocol torn up and the EU refuses to negotiate under threats of unilateral action. Daily Quiz Our baristas will serve you a new question each day. On Friday, your challenge is to give all five answers and tell us the connecting theme. Email your responses and include mention of your home city and country by 5pm BST on Friday to quizespresso at economist.com. We'll pick randomly from those with the right answers and crown one winner per continent on Saturday. Tuesday. Which funk soul band was noted for the hits Everyday People and Family Affair? Monday. Which English sculptor has had his work recently defaced because of his sexual abuse of his family? Finally, here's the quote of the day from George Weinberg, who was born on this day in 1929. All who love are conspirators. That's it from the Economist Morning Briefing, available every weekday and on Saturdays. You can hear interviews and analysis from our journalists, including our current affairs podcast, The Intelligence, by searching for The Economist on your podcast app, or by asking your smart speaker to play the latest Economist podcast. And as a subscriber, you have access to each week's full edition in audio. Just download the Economist app on your mobile device to start listening.